Welcome to the second part of the podcast dialogue entitled, A Look at the Future of Biosimilars and What Physicians and Pharmacists Should Anticipate with Their Arrival on the U.S. Market. This two-part podcast series was produced by ASHP Advantage and supported by an educational donation provided by Amgen and educational grants from Sanofi Aventis U.S. and Centicor Ortho Biotech Incorporated. The content for this podcast was adapted from a dialogue that was recorded on August 23, 2010 in Boston, Massachusetts between James H. Hoffman, PharmD, who is Medication Safety Officer at St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, and A.J.K. Singh, MBBS, who is Associate Professor of Medicine at the Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School in Boston. One of the questions that, that remain, uh, James, is to ask you about some of the future issues related to biosimilars. What are, you th- what are your thoughts about how this, the issue of biosimilars is going to evolve in the United States, and uh, uh, what are the questions that remain? Well, first, we, we don't have a biosimilar yet approved on the, on the U.S. market. So the legislation was just passed earlier this year, and as we said, there's a lot of uh, sort of details that must be put in place by FDA. We briefly discussed generic anoxaparin at the outset, and I don't consider that a biosimilar per se because it's not a therapeutic protein and because it's not you know, approved in this manner under the new law. But it, it does raise a lot of the issues of a, of a more complex molecule and how one compares it and many of the issues that come up. So the way I look at it from sort of the regulatory perspective is we have the legislation and now all the details must be filled in uh, from FDA. So uh, I think for physicians and pharmacists that are monitoring this issue and the implications for their you know, hospital and their patients, uh, watching the FDA and the regulations they put forward will be really important. And there's going to be uh, opportunities to comment on what FDA puts out. And so physicians and pharmacists uh, should take that opportunity and, and be part of the process. So really, I think watching the FDA and, and their regulation and guidance process around uh, biosimilars is really going to be important. And you know, they've been gearing up for this process and uh, developing expertise uh, for biologics. So beyond the, the regulations that will develop further in the guidance, Ajay, what do you think are some of the other issues to watch as uh, biosimilars develop further? Well, I think, James, uh, there are, in my mind, three key issues. Uh, The first is naming of biosimilars. Second is interchangeability. And third is pharmacovigilance. Before I uh, drill down into these three big issues, let me just preface this by making the point again that biosimilars are biologics that can't be replicated in an exact way, unlike chemical drugs. So, for example, biologics, as we discussed, come from a living source. They're produced from cultures, on one hand, bacteria or viruses, or when when we're dealing with complex uh, biologics from mammalian cells. One looks at the complex biologics. These mammalian cells are important in glycosylating the the agent and providing it with, with a complex quaternary structure. Uh, The complexity of these products is important because it also generates subtle differences in the biological activity and the safety profile of of these agents. Well, this background is important as we think about naming of biosimilars. As the U.S. moves towards the introduction of biosimilars, the regulatory authorities are going to have to think about whether they assign unique names to each biosimilar within a class. So, for example, take Ipoatin. Should 
the series of biosimilars that might be introduced in the United States each have a unique uh, name, Ipoetin X, Y, and Z, for example. Second, should there be interchangeability? On the one hand, if these biosimilars are truly different have and truly have a different uh, name, then interchangeability becomes quite an issue to deal with. Pharmacists can't just easily interchange one drug for another without going back to the prescribing physician. That results in significant process issues uh, as well as cost. Furthermore, if you have unique names, it will make it much more difficult for there to be cost savings uh, because uh, you won't just be able to interchange at the pharmacy level a less expensive drug for a more expensive drug. And then lastly, the issue related to pharmacovigilance. If one has a robust pharmacovigilance system in place already, such as one we have currently in the United States, there needs to be the ability to trace back the adverse event that might have been reported to the drug that was actually dispensed. Well, uh, that might become quite challenging if there is seamless interchangeability and there aren't any unique names. On the other hand, if there are unique names and no interchangeability, uh, that has implications for cost. How the United States grapples with these issues as it uh, develops its regulatory framework will be a key issue for the future. James, any closing thoughts uh, that you have about uh, biosimilars? You've certainly uh, laid out a lot of the the key issues that are uh, still exist and and that I think are uh, maybe at some level will always be there with with biosimilars. But I guess I'm optimistic that that we can work through these issues. And I think my advice to uh, physicians and pharmacists is to be proactive about biosimilars. And you know, FDA is going to provide guidance, and there's going to be opportunity to comment. So you could get engaged in, in that way of of really thinking through how this is all going to work. And also, just to, to be proactive and, and monitor the issue, since it will be very important for cost management and, and these products, uh, something that we haven't pointed out, is will likely be uh, sort of pushed by payers. And so there, there's going to be really that impetus from payers to use these products. One of the, the overall take-home messages is for physicians and pharmacists is that these products will require planning and they'll require some additional thought than what we normally do with uh, generic small molecules, uh, chemical drugs. So, you know, the normal practice is as soon as that generic is available and it's AB rated, that means it's a, it's a good generic per FDA regulations. Uh, most pharmacies, uh, hospitals, we, we start using those drugs immediately and we don't really give it much thought. But I think in the biosimilar context, we'll have to give it a, a bit of thought and not at all to say that we can't use these drugs, but that it will take some proactive, objective assessment. And I think it could be a role for formulary committees in, in hospitals and other uh, organized settings where formulary committee could play the role of exactly how are we going to use these biosimilars in this uh, health system. So uh, that's kind of a, a final thing to consider that, that, yes, there are lots of issues, but I think uh, we can work through them. And so I, I think I'm sort of optimistic overall on the role of biosimilars in the future. This concludes part two of this podcast. For additional information on the future of biosimilars in healthcare, please visit www.biosimcentral.org.